Today we're beginning a new communion meditation series, or I am, and I guess you are having to do that with me. Our text is John 13, and the series is Final Admonitions. John is a unique gospel. It's not one of the synoptic gospels, and that means that it has an awful lot of stuff in it that the others don't contain. And some of what is unique about John is uh, after the Passover meal has occurred. So there are several things that John records over five chapters from John 13 to 17 that aren't in the other Gospels. So this series will be about that. This is Jesus and his final words to the apostles before he goes off to the garden and before he goes off to death. The Apostles, and let me begin by reading, uh, and we'll read from verses 1 through 17, John 13. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus, Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And supper being ended, the devil having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper and laid aside his garments, took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Then he came to Simon Peter and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but you will know after this. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, He who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew who would betray him. Therefore he said, You are not all clean. So when he had washed their feet, taken his garments, and sat down again, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. And I'm going to read a portion of verse 18. I do not speak concerning all of you. I know whom I have chosen. Now, almost all of 13 to 17 is not covered in any other of the Gospels, but there is a little bit covered. And so I want to read a little bit of a parallel portion concerning this, and this is from Luke, Luke 22, 24. Now there was also a dispute among them as to which of them should be considered the greatest. And then he went on to tell them that the, they, the kings of this world exercise lordship over them. But so we know at this time that there was a dispute among them. Now, I want to talk about that dispute, even though it doesn't appear in our text in John, because the dispute occurred then at the dinner. 
And I want to discuss with you why I believe that, that that dispute was not just theoretical in nature. Now, theologians can always argue theoretical in nature. But I must tell you, I don't believe these guys were theologians just quite yet. They would go on to write some amazing epistles. But at this point, I believe that they were disputing over something very practical. What were they disputing about? Who's greater? Who's lesser? And in the context of what? I have a feeling it had to do with whatever menial tasks were associated with putting that dinner on that evening. And so they were arguing with one another about who should do this, who should do that. No, I did that last time. You do it this time. It results in them. Or it could be, where are they seated? Jesus likes me more. I'm going to be closer to Jesus. When I came back a few years from a vacation ago, I, I gave uh, Phil and Gary each a little coaster, and it said, Jesus loves you, but, he, but I'm his favorite. <laughs> I think in part that could be what they were arguing about that night. But they were arguing. None of us, none of us are above that type of pettiness. See, we can say it's petty because we know it's petty. Yet we all engage in it if not overtly, at least covertly, at least in my mind. I'm such a wicked person in my mind. Years ago, long ago, when I was in the service and I was stationed at, in Millington, Tennessee, I arrived there as a private first class. I wasn't a mere private. I'd gotten a meritorious promotion out of boot camp all because I could shoot well. So I arrived there and I didn't realize that being uh, promoted meritorious ladder boot camp would get me out of these grunge duties at my barracks. So I was there with all these privates, and here I was, a PFC. So every time we got assigned to duty, there were two guys on duty. There was the one at the desk who gets to sit there and be the lord of all the kingdom, and there is the runner who gets to be dispatched off to the second, third, and even fourth floor. And so I got to always sit at the desk because I was a PFC. But then there came a person who did not know that I had seniority over all my buddies because four months later, we were all PFCs. So now I'm getting assigned runner duty. And to add shame to that, I was assigned to runner duty on a Friday night when everybody's showing up at this barracks and they had no phone system or intercom system in this barracks. And so I'd no sooner get down to the desk than they'd send me up to the fourth floor again to get somebody. And I'm just thinking, why don't they just arrange to meet down here? It's stupid that I have to run up there and get them. But all the time I'm fuming because, frankly, this is beneath me. I'm a PFC, and I know you're a PFC, but I've got time in grade over you. I know that. But apparently the person who's writing up the, register, the, the roster doesn't. I was very offended by this. Now, that was before I was a believer. And I could say that I wouldn't think that now, right? And you'd know, whoop. <laughs> and I, let me tie it into reality, very, a very close reality. As Phil and Gary and I look forward to Presbytery, and we see the, the 26 elders or whatever we're going to have coming there, we have to make assignments. These men are going to preach. These men are going to do devotions. These men are going to pray. All of that has a certain right? 
I should get to preach. Anybody can pray. We're all elders. We should all be comfortable praying. But, you know, there are only a few opportunities you get to preach in front of all your brothers, to lead a devotion in front of all the people that are attending. That isn't in, far in the backs of our minds. We never discussed it, but yet it's there. It's present. We think about those things. And you try to think it shouldn't matter. No one should care. But yet, you know, some do. And we all have to kill out, kill off that pride that results in us wanting to be seen as the better of the equals. So what happened then? What happened in the context of this bickering that the elders engaged in, that the apostles engaged in? At that moment, Christ steps up, girds himself, and starts washing their feet. Now, if that's what they were arguing about, I can guarantee you that none of them felt Jesus should be washing their feet. And yet that's what he chooses to do, to wash their feet. And what does he do? He's demonstrating the fact that their pettiness is not something that he wants to see carried into his Christian church. He wants it killed off. He wants it dealt with. And he goes on to say, yes, I know I am your teacher. And I am in a position of superiority. And he, and he acknowledges that. He goes on to acknowledge that. But in terms of fitting in with the brethren, we are all to be humble servants. None of us can lord anything over one another before a lord that knelt down and washed the feet of the disciples when none of them felt that he should be doing that. And then obviously we have Peter saying, no, don't wash me. And then, oh, wash all of me. So he goes from one extreme to the other. That's Peter. He's bipolar. <laughs> so now, I want to point out something, though. There's something unique about the text that we went through. Verse 10, Jesus said to Peter, He who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. So the question I ask is, what is it that cleanses us and who wasn't clean? Well, he goes on in verse 11. For he knew who would betray him. Therefore, he said, you are not all clean. So Judas Iscariot was not clean. So what does that mean? He's one of the apostles. He's one of the trusted yet he is not clean. And then we go off to verse 17 and 18. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. I do not speak concerning all of you. I know whom I have chosen. And so he goes on to speak about Judas Iscariot being given over to the devil. And what he's speaking of is obedience. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Blessed are you if you do them. In other words, obedience to Christ brings a blessing but only to those that know God. And Judas Iscariot did not know God, therefore blessing did not accrue to him for any obedient acts. And we face the same in our world, don't we? Everybody believes you get to heaven, or so many people believe you get to heaven through good works, and that just is not the case. Only those that know the Lord ever will go to heaven. And there will be many that Jesus will say, get away from me, I never knew you. So now, we come to the Lord's table, and just as the apostles that night were served by Christ, every Sunday we are served by Christ. And so I urge you to 
serve one another in the week ahead. And Christ served Judas in this way. It wasn't until after this that he dispatches Judas to betray him. So see, Christ was serving someone certainly not worthy of his service, but who is? Father, we thank you. We thank you for the power of your word at work in us. We pray that all those present that hear these words would know you, would be in your family. And yet, Lord, you know, just as that night you knew that Judas would betray you, and yet the other apostles did not. We thank you, Father, for that knowledge, for that assurance that you have of your faithful children. And we pray that you would have us to be faithful in serving you and in serving one another in the days ahead, in the weeks ahead, in the months and years ahead. We thank you, Father, for all of your blessings. In Christ's name and for his sake, amen.